Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. When do we take control of our lives and our destiny? We're a small country, but we punch way above our weight. Like, I'm filming now at this stage, to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the hardest things to do. It was horrendous. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Find out more about those plans for the South Docks a little bit later on. Huge plans like 2,000 homes. A hospital, offices, cinema, food hall, you name it. And something what they call a landmark rooftop destination. Who knows what that'll be? South Docks set for huge transformation. We'll get to that later. Oh, and something else as well. And now don't do this during the program, but afterwards, if you want a smile with all the dark stuff that's around and all the bad news that's still around that we thought we'd be rid of, check out the new Super Value Christmas ad. If you don't shed a tear, you're already dead. I mean it, like, I mean it. For two years running, last year it was Connor and his granddad. Do you remember that? Well, this year, if you didn't think they could beat that, They've beaten it. They've beaten it this year. They win Christmas again. The Super Value Christmas ad is out. Have a look. Have a look. It's only lovely. Good morning to you. Oh, great news as well about some of the people we've spoken to on the programme about their books during the year. In particular, Catherine Ryan Howard, of whom you all know I'm a massive fan. Her novel, 56 Days, won at the Unpost Irish Book Awards last evening. So too did Maureen Gaffney. We had a great chat about her book One Wild and Precious Life and Laura DeBarra Cork's own Laura DeBarra we've had her on a couple of times she took home an award last night too so plenty of good news to kick off this morning 1850-715-996 but of course it's not all bright we have a horrendous shortage of GPs COVID or no COVID crisis or no crisis we have a horrendous shortage of general practitioners. I want to go to Glenmire to start us off and speak with Dr. Dermot Quinlan, who has a practice down there. Dermot, good morning. We have a huge shortage, do we not? We absolutely have a massive shortage of GPs right across Ireland. 
um, we have 30% fewer GPs than we would have than the UK, and they have 10% less than they think they should. So we have 40% fewer GPs in Ireland than they than they feel they should have in the UK. Many of our GPs are over 65 years of age. We have a major shortage of our GP nurses uh, and phlebotomists. So this is it's a problem right across the country. It's particularly problematic in rural areas, but also, as you know, it was in the echo last week that we have lost 10 GPs from the north side of Cork City in the last four years. Um, so, you know, we have a major uh, problem with our GP workforce in that we simply don't have enough GPs. Um, the, the, the question is, dear, but why? Uh, I suppose there's, there's several reasons for that. Uh, firstly, is uh, and, and like some of these have to do with the numbers of GPs. So the HSE have been brilliant in increasing the number of GP training places. So back in 2015, we were training 150 GPs a year. That's currently 234. And with, we'll expand to 350 by 2025. So the HSE are really supportive in massively increasing the number of GP trainees. Um, we have a really good GP training program in Ireland. In the UK, it's a three-year training program. In Ireland, we have a four-year GP training program, which means our GPs are especially highly trained by international standards. Um, but that does mean that there is a delay in, in them when you expand the number of training places, that it does mm. take an extra year before these uh, young doctors join the workforce. So, in other words, when you come out of college after doing your your six or seven years and then you go into the hospital and you do your internship and you are an NCHD, a junior doctor, a baby doctor, call it what you will, there's more study then before you can become the GP down the surgery. So you can be an awful long time in college. Does that put people off? Um. We have a huge, like general practice is very popular, thankfully, with young doctors. We have a lot of people applying for general practice uh, because it's a it's a fantastic career. Um, but it does take like it does take four years when people enter a GP training scheme. And the benefit for that for our patients is that we have really highly trained, highly skilled GPs. Mm. Um, the downside is it does take when somebody joins a GP training scheme. So when we have 350 trainees joining the scheme, entering a training scheme in 2025, it'll be 2029 before they actually are part of our workforce. Mm. And is it full time so, training, Dermot? It's not like in the hospital where you work your way up through the ranks you're earning at the same time. Oh yeah, it is. It is that. It's very similar. Our GP trainees spend two years in hospital, uh, doing job, doing work like pediatrics, uh, medicine, uh, antenatal and obstetric care, gynecology, um, psychiatry, working in the ED department. So we we are like we work very closely in our training with our hospital colleagues, and then there's two years specifically in general practice where they spend one year in each of two different practices. So one year in, the, in one mm. practice and then second year in another practice. And so it is a four-year, very comprehensive training program. Yeah, a GP friend of mine once remarked to me, he said that we are in effect, he said, little mini consultants. We're consultants in family medicine and people forget that. Would you? Would that a fair assessment? I, I think it's a very fair assessment. And like, if we look at the workload of general practice at the moment, um, like, so we have all our normal work. So we look after people with diabetes, with heart disease, high blood pressure, asthma, acne, and all those chronic illnesses that people have. In addition to that, then we have a huge role in the childhood vaccination programs, the smear campaigns, contraception, antenatal care, all of that. And then in addition, then we have, we deal with people when they're acutely ill. And then 
the the big issue which really has accelerated the workforce crisis in general practice is COVID. So we, we are playing a massive role in supporting the, the really good HSE response to the, the COVID program, which, you know, is, is going on. So we, we deal with people with acute COVID. We are managing people who have long COVID. And general practice is, is playing a very substantial role in supporting the HSE in rolling out the COVID vaccine booster program. And I suppose I would like to give a big shout out to the entire team over in the City Hall today doing the uh, COVID boosters, they are playing a phenomenal role mm-hmm. and uh, supporting the older people of Cork um, getting their COVID vaccines and just just to give a shout out to all, all of that team. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of retired GPs who have come back into the workforce who are supporting the COVID uh, booster campaigns. Um, we have a lot of GPs who have increased their work commitments. They're working more, more days. I was talking to a GP earlier this morning who previously had a Wednesday off, but the pressures and the workload is such that this particular doctor has come back working Wednesdays. Um, So there is a very substantial workload. If we think that compared to uh, this time last year, when the respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, among children was almost, there was almost none of it. We have 10 times more RSV at the moment. And we are seeing a lot of sick children at the moment, where a year ago we were seeing very few. And, you know, it's very important that, that parents, if they're worried about their children, they get in touch with their GP. Uh, but increasingly, it's it's very difficult to offer yeah. same-day appointments for less urgent cases. Yeah, there's a the thing. I, I was going to come to that, David, because... What I constantly get is messages in here from people telling me that I can't get to see a doctor for two, three, four days, or I can get a telephone consultation later today. You know, some of that has been put down to COVID, obviously, but much of it, what I'm hearing from you is the reason we'll get to you in three or four days or call you on the phone is we literally don't have the hours. We don't have the doctors. And that that is that is very much the case that you know. And in in terms of do we see people face to face? So we we are absolutely open for seeing people who are sick. I mean, we are we are looking after people who are sick. But our practice in Landmire, we closed our waiting room again for routine consultations uh, several weeks ago as the COVID numbers increased. So patients have said, "Oh, your waiting room is very quiet." It's very quiet because people are waiting in their cars and we call them indirectly from their cars. But we are busier than we've ever been. As, as I said, when I was talking to another doctor earlier this morning and she historically had a Wednesday as her day off and she uh, is back working Wednesdays. I know lots of GPs who haven't had any annual leave since the since March of 2020 and uh, who can't take time off for uh, significant family events and so there is a huge workload uh, for general practice, our normal workload, on top of which we have the COVID-related work. And our workforce is about 30% less, as I said, yeah. than the equivalent in the UK. You're at so least 30% under strength at all times, COVID Absolutely. or no COVID. And you know the way that you said that the young GPs that will go in to train, it takes them three to four years to be ready to train. Do they then stay here, Dermot, or is there a pattern of them, pattern of them going elsewhere when they've been trained? I suppose all our medical and nursing workforce are a mobile, we're globally mobile. Like I worked in the UK, I worked in Australia, and many, many young doctors travel overseas and get great experience. 
and the majority come back, uh, you know, enriched with the experience they've had. So um, it's a good thing that, that our doctors and nurses choose yeah. to work overseas. But I think in the last two years, it's just been very, you know, with the COVID and it's it been very difficult for people yeah. to, to move in. And totally what you hear, Dermot, is a lot of particularly, like you said, nurses, doctors, it's almost a rite of passage and pretty much any experienced medic of any kind that I've ever spoken to. Yeah, I did a couple of years here and I did a few years there and it was Australia, America, Canada. They all go, but traditionally they all come back. Anecdotally, at least, they're not coming back anymore. Yeah, I suppose in my experience, they are, you know, they, they, they go and, and certainly when we started the pandemic, when we put out a call, uh, lots of medics and nurses uh, answered Ireland's call and, and returned to Ireland. Um, so I think, you know, didn't use a lot of them, though. Or, it didn't use We hardly used any of them, actually. Yeah, I, I'm not sure of the detail of that. Um, but just coming back to the problem that patients face, PJ, in terms of accessing their GP, you know, I would say if like there is a lot of respiratory illness, if if people have a sick child or they're worried about their child, I would encourage them to persevere uh, and and keep bringing. And in general, we will try and fit people in. Yeah. Do we see them face to face or do we see them in person? Uh, and that very much depends. So some of my patients opted for a, a, a phone or video consultation, yeah. and others it is better if you know if they have a sick child that they be seen, and um, you know to assess them. Uh, it, it is possible to do a very thorough assessment over by by video or phone. Um, and that does take as much time as seeing somebody face to face. But in many respects, patients choose to, they, they can sometimes choose a face to face or choose that a phone consultation is, is sufficient for their needs. Um, but as I say, it is it is busy at the moment. And I would encourage people on the ringing GP practices to appreciate that our admin teams are doing their absolute best. They're working yeah. really hard and please be patient. You're, you're, you're snowed under. So, Dr. Quinlan, what do we do to solve this? How do we make this right or can we? I suppose, first and foremost, the HSE have put in place a really good program to more than double the number of GPs in training. So that, that is underway. As I said, 150 GP training places in 2015, 236 this year, 350 by 2025. And the HSE have committed the resources for that to happen. So that's the single most important thing. And I would say the HSE should be commended for that. We also need to look at how can we retain our older GPs in the workforce temporarily. And as I've said, some of them are coming back into, into the workforce. Their existing GPs are working additional days. Um, they are older GPs. Many of them are working in, in our mass vaccination clinics. We need to look at making, for younger GPs, we need to look at making it more family friendly. We have a lot of young female GPs. And we need to make sure that general practice is increasingly family friendly for, for our younger GPs. Then we also need, like we have a, a, a brilliant cohort of GP nurses in Ireland. Um, and they work incredibly hard with the cervical smear campaign, childhood vaccines uh, and dressings and looking after patients with chronic disease. They work really hard uh, and we simply need more of them. Okay. Um, in if our practice, we have just over one whole time equivalent. If we were in the UK, we would have a multiple of that. Yeah, and then we need more phlebotomists, so so and and uh, admin and management. So these 
these supports can help GPs to focus more on providing acute okay. care to patients when they need it. So we need to expand the GP team and the HSE are very much on board with that. Okay, you know? okay. I uh, suppose time time really is the only thing that will sort it. If the programme is there, it takes time to complete it. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Dr. Dermot Quinlan, 1850-715-996. But get that, 30 to 40% shortage of GPs in the system. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Fully focused, what you mean? Got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick. Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live. With now. Join in the experience with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Corks 96fm app. Corks 96fm. Now, I have to say, for those of us who've been following the fate and the story of the Docklands for quite some time, it is not our first rodeo to see a big story in the newspaper that tells us that the Docklands are about to be transformed. The Examiner uh, leads on the front page this morning as too does the Echo. The Echo says 350 million euro docks transformation new hospital and cinema 2,000 new homes offices, mixed use development and many many more features. Now as I said Tommy Barker, Irish Examiner uh, property editor. Not our first rodeo Tommy but there's hope this time that it'll actually be delivered Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and good morning to your listeners. Yeah, absolutely, there's hope, um, and I'm sure a lot of people in Cork are sick and tired of hearing about the the promise of the Docklands, and as I wrote in one of the pieces in the paper today, kind of the, the, the vaunted ambition for the Docklands goes back to the 1700s, so uh, when they were planning uh, filling in Patrick Street when it was all marsh and so on, they looked at building a new city downstream. Uh, we're expanding down to the east of the city. Um, this was touted about 15, 20 years ago in Celtic Tiger times. It died in the water, uh, but we're, we're getting there. And the proof of it is because you have one Albert Key, you have mm. uh, Navigation Square, you have two blocks there, you have two more coming. Um, there's visible buildings down there across the river in Horgan's Key. The North Docks are coming on. So what was talked about as a pipe dream or a long-term ambition, there's bits and pieces coming. But of course, it's a huge, huge area. The Docklands is an enormous campus all the way down to the marina. Um, and it's a bit like eating an elephant. You take it a bit by bit. And yeah. uh, that's how we seem to be getting there. One of the exciting elements of this phase, as discussed today anyway, is a rehabilitation hospital. Now, I don't know how much you know about that, Tommy. Is that something along the lines of what people currently have to go to Dunleary for? 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, sorry. It's the same sort of process and it will do the same sort of treatments, but it's going to be privately funded. Now, I'm not quite sure about sure. what level of public access there'll be to it, but the, the National Rehabilitation Centre in Dunleary, which is going about 60 years, is entirely publicly funded. Yeah. Uh, but it's obviously under strain. And as my colleague Catherine Shanahan wrote in today's examiner, there's been plans for a second one for many, many years. And Cork has been mentioned. Kathleen Lynch was talking about it many years ago. Yes. Um, but apparently there's a deal on and this French company called Orpia, they're a PLC, and they've come on very heavily into investment in the health and nursing home sector in Ireland in the last two years. Mm. Um, they're, they're going to buy the building and run it there, and that would po- quite possibly be the very first building to be built mm. in this new phase that O'Callaghan's are just going for planning for at the moment. Have we a time scale for the spending of this €350 million, Euro, Tommy? Uh, well, the O'Callaghan's own 31 acres they got from uh, from the Origin um, group. So it's going to be a very long term. It's going to be decades to get down to the very end of the, that's my opinion, I beg your pardon, uh, to, to get down to the very end of it. And you've lots of other big companies like Glenvey Properties and the Comer Brothers with the Tech Castle site and others, um, Jerry Witcherly with the Marina Commercial Park. So there's, there's enormous scope there for mm. 20,000 houses. Um, but I, I would imagine O'Callaghan's could do, this is only the first phase, it's 4.1 acres of their 31 acres. So it's it's doable in a short number of years, I would have thought. God knows how long a short number of years is, but I'd say five to ten years, um, pretty much everything here should be out there. I mean, Navigation Squares come on stream since 2019. Yeah. Yeah. That will be 350,000 square foot of offices. They're talking another 450 in this coming phase, plus apartments, plus the cinema, plus the repurposing of that beautiful red brick Odlums building. Mm-hmm. Um, and the grain silos, uh, the Iron Hitch Hall grain silos are, pla- are, are planned to go. Um, they have, now, one of those, I can't remember which structure. one I was reading last night, Tommy, one of them is has to come down because it's in a bad state, but the other one can be refurbished and repurposed. Which is which? Uh, the red brick one, uh, the Adams one, is it's kind of goes back to the 1800s and 1930s. It's got those beautiful arched windows. Um, it's quite a shallow building, so there'll be another building put behind in a courtyard. Uh, there'll be apartments, offices, a food court at ground level, a first floor cinema, I'm told, a bit maybe a bit like the Stella in Rathmine, so kind of a funky retro um, to suit the building. And then that, that austere looking grey concrete silo bunker building, that's the one that they're saying is structurally unsound. I think there's a slight lean in it. There's a lot of talk about the, the grey concrete, um, mm. this deteriorating spalling and so on. Plus, it's just it's a honeycomb structure. I think there's over 100 vertical silos. So talked to Brian O'Callaghan on Monday about it and he said basically when you take that out there's a 30 metre void that won't support itself yeah. um, and that the building will be structurally unsound and he said you'd never get up to building regs. Now there are other silos that were converted to different purposes but maybe they were built with a slightly different structure. There's a very famous one an art centre in Newcastle uh, called the Baltic Flower Mills and there's ones in South Africa but yeah. in this case um, O'Callaghan's are quite quite keen to get across the message that they've done a lot of research. They, they went looking at it with an open mind yeah. and really it's just, it's not doable. Yeah. Uh, so they, they'll recreate some features of it that will kind of have an air of it, but obviously it will be yeah. Actually, different the, the artist's impression of the, the artist's impression of the Adams building looks fantastic. So, as always, Tommy, the front page of the paper today has all the plans and the artist's impression. Shovels in the ground. 
is is the question uh, people want to see answered. When could that uh, well, happen? It's, it's subject subject to planning, but O'Callaghan's are saying that they would start immediately in the hospital because that's funded, um, and that would be the first quarter of 2023, so that would be about 15 months' time. Um, and it would be, I don't know, how many of your listeners will remember actually O'Callaghan's other uh, development in Lancaster Quay, yeah. which they were doing in the early 2000s, and at one stage, there was a private hospital mooted for there. Now, there's no connection between that that plan. I think that was Swiss at the time and this French company. Um, but, the, you know, they're, they're lateral thinkers and Lancaster Key. You, these things do take time. Lancaster Key started 20 years ago. It's, it's only coming to fruition now. And the last block is going up. And I think you'll know, we've reported before, that the last block of apartments now has been taken over by Cluid. So there'll be um, a good housing mix there as well. And there'll be a housing mix on Kennedy Key also with yeah. plans to have apartments to buy as well as to rent. So that seems to be a bit of a new development. And Brian O'Callaghan is saying the funding model is now changing after the housing for all strategies that will make apartment development viable in certain circumstances. Okay. Exciting announcements. We've seen many of them before. Not a lot have come to fruition, but like you say, Tommy, there's already been development in the Docklands, and this is a good announcement. More work on that hospital starting in early 2023, which would be great. What else will be there? Well, as well as the hospital, thanks, Tommy Barker. He's um, Irish Examiner property editor. 2,000 homes, that's in this phase alone, 2,000 homes, offices, mixed use, a food hall, cinema, and what they call a landmark rooftop destination. Whatever that'll be. Exciting times. Mind you, Kate says, I'm so delighted to hear this news. The red brick architecture in some of that area would make superb apartments. And I'll make a bet with you, the whole project will be finished before the event centre is built. I can't argue with that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. They can call me. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Weekend. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors Volkswagen. Where you can test drive the full Volkswagen range. Including the all-electric ID3 and ID4. See newmarketvolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96FM. I'm seeing so many posts on social media in the last couple of days that, that make me sad for my musician friends and the people that I know that make their living from the music industry and the DJ game and entertainment in general because they're so uncertain now about what is going to happen because the already the, the change in the hospitality curfew has cost loads of them gigs. And looking into Christmas and look, people are doing what they've been asked to do by the medics and by the public health experts. They're being asked to limit their socialisation. So at least you hear about, you know, uh, stories anyway of dozens of parties and lunches and dinners being being cancelled for December. And of course it leads the musicians to worry about their income for the second Christmas in a row. Matt McGranahan has been on the opinion line a few times in the last couple of months. He's the spokesman of the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland. Matt, good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. Thank you very much for highlighting this. Worrying times again. At all times, you and your members have said the public health advice is the public health advice. But at the same time, so many of you are facing into another very bleak December. Public health advice is paramount. And, and anything that protects, I think, especially our workers in the health system and, and protects our hospitals and the health system and protects the public goes without saying. That is the most important thing. But I think when, when that advice and those measures, you know, inhibit and prohibit someone's ability to, to make their living uh, and to, to earn livelihood, then I think there is a duty of care on behalf of the government to step in. Uh, when, when those measures and those advice coming directly from government is preventing that. I think they, they do have a responsibility mm. to help protect that and to help protect that workers and to say to that worker, you know, you're, you know that... You know, people in this industry have been enduring this since March 2020. Uh, other workers in the first lockdown, second lockdown, and so on, uh, you know, received that that support during the 12-week period or a couple of months period, whatever, where where their uh, work was prohibited. And I think I just think that you know our situation it has continued, our hour of need has continued a lot longer mm. than than other sectors. And I think it's, it's just almost, you know, disrespectful just to expect people to just go and switch careers because we're seeing up to 40% already have had to change career. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when people do that because they need to do that, um, you know, there, there's an argument to be made for that. But I think to expect people and to basically force people or to come out with statements like saying uh, there are jobs in other sectors, just go and get another job, you know, I, I just think that's highly disrespectful towards this sector and towards this industry. Particularly when, if you like, your workplace has been closed down by public health order and then tell you, I just go find another job. That, that's a bit of a slap in the face. That is without a doubt a slap in the face. Uh, and, you know, the people that work in this sector, you, you know, you're talking about people who have, it, it is a highly skilled Mm-hmm. Um, job and profession that people do, and they have been training for it for years. It, it's not something that they just decide at the age of twenty or twenty-one. You know, I'm going to study now to be a musician for three years, come out with a, a career. They've been working on it for a long time. It is highly skilled, and it takes years of practice and honing that skill. And our fear is that if we if we don't intervene now, uh, and we're directly appealing to the teacher to intervene. And if, the, if there is no intervention at the moment, we are going to come back to an industry where we're going to lose so, so many of, of our individuals and our workforce. Mm. And, you know, from March, April next year, <clears throat> we're going to be in a much worse position. I mean, the statistics show that up to 70% are considering leaving, leaving the industry. Yeah. I think I, there's one... one per- Sorry, PJ, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you finish. No, I just I think the, one of the scariest statistics that the uh, questions that we asked is we asked people, you know, before the pandemic, did they consider their livelihoods as secure within the industry? And just over eighty percent said yes. We asked them if they consider it secure now, and over ninety percent said no. Now the question that would be asked of you and your members, Matt, uh, and those who support your industry would be, and it's a fair one. Okay, so you want to have gigs, you want to have events. How do we do that safely? Well, I think that's really for the department to monitor the uh, Department of Culture and Arts, you know, and the government did reopen this industry on the 22nd of October. And 
what what I heard last week at the stakeholder forum among everyone was that for, for a period of a few weeks, that was that was continuing fantastically. People were delighted to be back. Right, audiences were good, numbers were 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 good uh, at attendances. Everything was was taken along nicely, and then suddenly the public health advice starts to change. So we're, we're, again, it was asked of the department last week how many outbreaks have been attributed to concerts, to events, to live gigs, and the answer we, we don't know. So let's let's get a report, and and it was put to the department that they should commission a report into that period of activity of a few weeks just to show how safe mm. this was, um, and. And and then you know take decisions based on that. The future don't be taking decisions based on a hunch. But I mean we're seeing across Europe, you know, certain restrictions coming back in. And I'm seeing in other European countries we've been fed back that entertainment has stopped, be, be, has been completely restricted in the past couple of days in some countries, uh, or or certain restrictions put on it. So I'm just concerned now that 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 we'll be doing the same thing. Now I do understand we have a much better vaccination rate here. Mm. Um, but, you know, we do have to ask the question, are we seeing the results of that? Are we seeing the benefits of that as a society yet? Yeah. Uh, and well, we, thought we, we thought we were, and then suddenly we weren't when, when Delta started to rage uh, among us. Um, someone wants me to mention to you, Matt, can you, can you say to this chap that, look, all these laws that the TDs and the government officials bringing in are not hitting them in their pockets. And it's very easy to say someone else should suffer. When you're not suffering yourself, yeah, I think lockdown is a general sort of societal problem, isn't it? That you know we don't have enough people thinking about other people all the time. Um, uh, you know, the, the politicians that the Mia would be interacting with, and we have a, a cross-party committee made up of uh, two t- two senators and and nine TDs from all sides of the houses of the Arachnids. There's a great understanding uh, and a great simpatico with the entire industry, and and they are making great representations. I just think that, you know, for a lot of people, they just don't get or fully understand the the, the level of devastation that this industry has endured. You know, for over twenty months that they were closed, and when they finally did get back operating at some level, it's you know it's it's been a very short time, short short space, a window of a few weeks really. And now we're having the, the rug being pulled from under our feet again. Talking to certain, um, some musicians have told me that their entire entire diary yeah. has been wiped out from now to the end of the year. Yeah, well I was talking to one, one DJ friend of mine who had seen his Christmas book pile up and even early finishes. They'd all The book was, was filling up and in the last three or four days that book is down 50%. Yeah, and, and the issue with that PG is that more than likely... That, that person has signed off PUP or, or been forced off PUP in the last while. So are you uh, calling directly now to finish, Matt? Are you, is MEAI directly calling for a special case to be made for the music and entertainment industry to retain the full PUP until you can go back to work? We're asking for the full reinstatement of the PUP or an alternative support that, yeah. that would protect this industry, you know, into January, February and, and just into March, April time. Yeah, like for example, are you allowed to play in restaurants at the moment? Are you allowed to put on a, a small band or a one or two piece in a restaurant? You could, but I think traditionally it's not really. Uh, restaurants wouldn't be 
you know, wouldn't have as much live entertainment, maybe. And, and forgive me if I'm offending any restaurant owners out there. But generally, you'd have more live entertainment in pubs or lounges or, yeah. you know, uh, when it comes to hospitality or hotels. Not so much within a restaurant setting. But it does happen. Yeah. And I know that the wedding sector in particular, when they learned at the end of last week that they too came under this new curfew, that scuppered thousands of gigs. Well, I think there has been a, a, a good move there and the, you know, the, the togetherness with the, with the hotels and that there's a great understanding to accommodate. So a lot of hotels now are moving uh, the dinner and that an hour earlier in order to so that the bride and groom can have as much of uh, the entertainment uh, and have it more like a traditional normal day than okay. what they were hoping for, you know. So I think there's, you know, that that's able to work okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm seeing, even, even uh, I've heard from certain musicians that ordinary gigs, say in pubs that would have, you know, been from 9.30 to 11.30, even those are being cancelled. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's hard to take with four and a half weeks to Christmas, particularly if you're a professional mm-hmm. musician and it is your full-time income. Matt McGranahan of the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland, thank you, as always, for being with us on the Opinion Line. And look, public health is public health. Advice is advice. Keeping us safe is keeping us safe. But there are thousands of people who thought, they thought they were back to work. They thought that they were back to doing what they do best. And again, three weeks into it, they're, they're out of work again and the work is falling away. And the MEAI is calling for a full reinstatement of PUP for anybody for whom music and entertainment is a full-time job. Thanks, Matt. 1850-715-996. We're with the Everyman. Speaking of events, and these are going ahead. The Everyman Panto 2021 is Aladdin, and it is going ahead. Oh, Oh, yes, it is. And every day this week, we have a fantastic giveaway in association with the Everyman. The 9th of December, we want to send you and your family to a performance of Aladdin at the Everyman. But not just that, we want to send you and your family for dinner before that. And we have a question related to Aladdin every day this week. And we are taking your answers on text or WhatsApp, 083 396 So dinner before the show and the show for the family on Thursday the 9th of December at the Everyman. And get texting or WhatsApping your name and the answer, please to this question. What is the name of the princess in the Aladdin story? What is the name of the princess in the Aladdin story? Text or WhatsApp that answer and your name to 083 396 Dinner, by the way, is at the Met Bar. The Met Bar today. We had Gallagher's yesterday. We have the Met Bar today. You'll go in there before the show. You only have to toddle in next door after your dinner to the Everyman to see Aladdin. So what is the name of the princess in the Aladdin story? Your name and her name to 083-396-9696. is the number. Where am I going? Oh, yes, I got an Instagram page in front of me here. And I know there's a lot of work gone into this. And indeed, even volume two is gone to preparation. This is a pregnancy loss journal uh, put together by Veloma.ie. Claire Cullen, good morning. 
Good morning. How are you? Good. I have spoken to so many people over the years, Claire, about pregnancy loss. And the one thing that they all tell me is there's very little resources out there to help you through or to or to, to try to there help you come to terms with it. And is that where that idea came from? It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, myself and my friend Jen Ryan, we um, volunteered with the Pregnancy Loss Charity. We both lost our own daughters um, in the second trimester of pregnancy, so quite late losses. And we both volunteered with this Pregnancy Loss Charity and we noticed that the same questions came up over and over again. And it's mostly you know, is this normal? Does anybody else, has anybody else ever felt this? And then describing a very typical kind of pregnancy loss scenario. And we realised that there is a real dearth of information. There's a real kind of lack of communication about some of the practicalities and the realities of how a person experiences pregnancy loss, how they feel afterwards, and sort of navigating the healing afterwards through the rest of your life can be a real struggle when you don't know what journey anybody else has taken. Mm. Plus, you don't know what way to turn. So all the good intentions and all the kindness in the world is lost on you in that couple of weeks when you're trying to, you're just trying to understand what has happened. Well, that's what we find. A lot of people don't want to talk very early. They don't want to talk to people. It's hard to pick up the phone and it's hard to face somebody else. You know, even if it's somebody in a pregnancy loss group, it can be really tough, you know, to take that step. A lot of people want to make that journey, even at the start, sort of on their own, in private, at their own pace, in their own time. And a lot of the healing is done in private and in your family scenario. Is that Um, because somehow, Claire, that no matter... How hard you try, is that because people are consumed with the notion that I'm the first person this ever happened to? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's an absolute certainty that most people, nobody else could have felt this way because nobody else could possibly have survived this. People mustn't feel like this because how are people out there living their lives and getting on with things if this is how they felt? And I think that's one of the hardest parts is for people to recognise that how hard it is at the start is totally common. It's totally, I hate the word normal, but that is normal. And that it doesn't mean that you are not going to recover. You are, you are going to get through this, but you need somebody to tell you you're going to get through this and this is how. And I think one of the things we discovered when we were preparing this journal, we interviewed lots and lots of women. And one of the things they said was that they walked out of the hospital having been given this news that their pregnancy was not going to end in a live baby. And no matter what stage of pregnancy you're at, they were devastated. But the empty hands, they had nothing, maybe a leaflet, and that was it. And that's not enough. You need something You need something that sim- signifies the, the magnitude of the situation. You need something that shows the importance of it. And you need something that's like a, something you can hold on to. And mm. that's where the journal came from. So is it, it, is a, it fair that all the wonderful professionals in the world, Claire, and they're out there, loads of them, wonderful, wonderful people. But until you've been there yourself, you don't get it. I think so. I think that's the case. I, I mean, we have brilliant, like our, in a, on a clinical sense in Ireland, pregnancy loss is taken care of amazingly well. Like it really is. There's, we have the most incredible teams of midwives and healthcare professionals in this country. Down in Cork, in UCC, we've got the amazing Pregnancy Loss Research Centre. Yeah. And they do great work. They're publishing all the time. But there's nothing like there's nothing like having a person who will tell you this is how I felt. This is how most people feel. This is how a lot of other people feel. And if you feel this way as well, then that's 
nothing to worry about and it will pass. And I, I, I don't think any researcher, any clinician or any midwife can really be that voice in your ear at that time. You need somebody almost like a friend on your shoulder or almost like somebody who can speak directly to you. And I, I mean, it would be lovely. That's a lot of, part, a lot of what pregnancy loss um, charities do. They, they speak directly to people. But you can't talk to everyone. And often you won't get those people in front of you until weeks mm-hmm. down the line when they've already kind of suffered more than they needed to in that, those few initial weeks of the loss. Sounds to me like a book like this or a journal like this should be stocked in in every hospital or every doctor's surgery where in the hospital you've got terrible news or in the doctor's surgery you're getting terrible news. They should be able to present you with a book like this and say, look, take that home, put it away, you'll need it one day. Well, I mean, (laughs) absolutely. Is that what you want? That's the plan. That's the plan. I'd love that. I would love if every woman who who got that news, every family walked out of the hospital or walked out of the doctor's surgery was handed this. Um, I'd love to be able to get it into everybody's hands and say, here's something that will help. Here's something that might help. Here's something that you can use to navigate what you're going to feel over the next weeks, months. Um, and that's that would be the ideal. So if there's any businesses out there that would like to sponsor some of these journals to get them into the hospitals, to get them into the doctor's surgeries, I'd be very happy to take your call. We'd be lo- we'd love to be able to do that. And you're working on volume two, which is the after 14 weeks. Why is that that's different, right. do you think? Well, another thing that we, we discovered mostly from research is that the, the physical experience of pregnancy loss is very different pre and post 14 weeks. And we did want to be very practical with this journal. We wanted to be able to talk about some of the things that other people don't talk about, the physical experience of your loss, how you might lose your baby and how you might feel. Um, and then after your loss, whether or not there's going to be pregnancy remains, whether there will be a funeral. There's a lot to talk yeah. about and they are different. Okay. Very different. And you're working on volume two as it is. Well, congratulations on putting it together. Volume one, I wish you every success with it. Uh, Viloma.ie, at Viloma.ie, or at Claire Cullen on Instagram is where you can find out more about that uh, journal. It's a pregnancy loss journal put together by two women who themselves have been through it. 1850-715-996. Thank you, Claire. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Week two of the 10K toy giveaway. You could be backing yourself a toy shopping spree worth 500 euro and you could be celebrating just like this. Thank you so much, Lorraine. That's the best news ever that has made my day now, made my week. We've got more smart speakers to give away on the takeover. And for all that's going on in Cork, I've got you sorted. Join me weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home with the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale. Offering the best deals on laptops, TVs, SIM-free phones, kitchen appliances, and so much more. On Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Another round of the 10K toy giveaway coming at you this hour. We will do it, I guarantee you, we will do it in the next 40 minutes. 
another chance for you to win a 500 euro voucher in association with Douglas Village Shopping Centre I think we had a winner yesterday from the opinion line uh, the lads can pull up the details for me but we had a qualifier yesterday and I think we also had a winner from the show yesterday that'd be three that'd be three winners we've had since this started and we're on day number eight now so three out of seven we have a good track record on the opinion line another game of the 10k toy giveaway in the next uh, 40 minutes 1850715996 just on Claire's journal I wish I'd had such a book when I miscarried my daughter's twin because I was already carrying one life I felt I had to keep it to myself which I did and I suffered in silence for years I hope others find solace in Claire's journal faced with such sad news and uh, on WhatsApp kudos to the wonderful people at COMH and to my amazing GP in Mallow I lost a baby at 22 weeks a few years ago I can understand the feelings that Claire is expressing and best of luck to her with that book just on the Glenmire toy appeal uh, Sunday, November 28th they can't have the toy mass this year, just like they couldn't have it last year, so if you want to donate to the Glanmire Toy Appeal, volunteers will be outside the Credit Union in Glanmire this Sunday from 3 till 4 if you want to donate there's lots of stuff like that, they have to change the way we do the donations, to change the way we do the events, God knows for a second Christmas coming, so this year once again, no toy mass in Glenmire. But this Sunday, November 28th, between 3 and 4, they'll be taking donations to the toy appeal outside the credit union in Glenmire. I'm reminded, oh, don't worry, I know. I'm reminded that the greatest of them all passed away 30 years ago today. Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury passed away 30 years ago today. The greatest of them all. There was no front man like him before or since. Or there never will be, in my view. But that's 30 years ago today we lost Freddie Mercury. Let us come right up to date. Um, You would be amazed, or at least I was amazed, to read the number of... And I hate to use the term because it's so... It sounds like such a, a play on words. Misconceptions about the contraceptive pill. They're, like It's been around since, like, forever. But there were so many things about it that people still don't know. And experts are now saying that reassurance is needed on taking it, how safe it is to take it, how normal it is to take it, and how the myths and legends that have been around for years, we need to get rid of some of them. Dr. Suzanne O'Sullivan is a consultant in obstetrics and gynecology at COH, and she joins me. Suzanne, good morning and thanks for being with us. Thank you, PJ. Thanks for having me. Now, as I said, the myths and legends surrounding the pill, uh, I, I would have thought many of them were done away with, but but some of them are still there. No, I think, you know, there's a lot of, of baggage around the pill, I suppose. And I think it's really important to sort of go back to basics when we look at and think about the pill, because it's a really elegant, amazing product. Um, I suppose if you if you look at how the pill works, we need to look at how women work. So and and how people work. So we're all products and we're all, you know, responsive to our hormones, men and women. And if you look at for, you know, men and women, our pituitary gland of the brain is what drives 
hormonal production in uh, reproductive organs, the testes and the ovaries. So we concentrate on the ovaries. So what what happens in a normal cycle is that you've got estrogen levels that are high for the first half of the cycle uh, that drives ovulation and then if fertilization or a pregnancy doesn't happen at that time then progesterone levels go up waiting for that pregnancy and when it doesn't happen then a period a period happens so the, the lining of the womb that has waited for a pregnancy sheds a bleed happens and the cycle starts again so with the pill what you do is you just take the estrogen and progesterone in a tablet form yeah that feeds back to the pituitary gland and the pituitary gland says, well, there's enough estrogen in the system, so the ovaries don't need to be driven to produce more. So the ovaries sort of not quite become dormant, but they don't have to work. So ovulation then doesn't happen. So it's the same product. It's estrogen and progesterone. It's nothing new. It's nothing new to the body, mm. but it's given in that way to for, for contraceptive purposes. But it's also very useful to treat problems that happen, for example, heavy painful periods, PMS symptoms, and, uh, you know, a lot of these issues that happen to young women and women of all ages. Yeah. There was a thing that about stopping every 21 days. Is that gone yes. on the board? It's not gone because traditionally the pill is taken again 21 days. You stop the pill and then you have what is, it's not a period actually, it's a withdrawal bleed. So it's usually much lighter than a real period is. And when the pill was developed in the 50s, women were never used to having had contraception. So if they didn't have a period, the automatic assumption and the, the common reality was that they were pregnant and that's why they weren't having a period. So to take that reassurance away wasn't going to be a design flaw, if you like. So it was designed to be 21 days on and then you stop and you have this hormone withdrawal light bleed and then you start again after seven days. So that that was the way it was designed for those reasons. But actually, you don't need that break. And often when pill failures happen, it's around that break because you're you're taking away the yeah. external estrogen and progesterone and the ovaries start waking up. Yeah. So actually, it's a very sensible thing to do to just take the pill every single day. So you don't have a withdrawal bleed that you don't need. It's very liberating for a lot of women and it's very liberating, especially for teenage girls who have problems with their periods. And even if they're getting a withdrawal bleed, it can be a bit painful and it can be, you know, problematic to them. So and and take them out of activities and school, etc. So you can just bypass that that week off, keep going and and there's no problem with that. There was was a couple of things wasn't there that first of all and I think well, at my age, I've I've definitely heard of of it happening to people who stopped after twenty one yeah. days and didn't realise that you're fertile again quite quickly after that and got pregnant Absolutely. during that break. Yeah. That's the first thing. Absolutely. And the second thing was people who were told, well, if you don't do that, and I don't want to sound crude at quarter past ten in the morning, yeah. but all that waste builds up inside your body. Yeah. Neither no. of those things so, are, I, you know. They're all, that, that's all wrong. And again, so nothing is building up because with the pill, you're taking this estrogen progesterone every single day. So progesterone stops the lining of the womb building up. So there's nothing to shed when that p- sort of period happens. As I say, when you stop the pills, you get a, a withdrawal bleed, but there's no buildup of the lining of the womb to shed. So you don't need to do that. And the fact that you can get pregnant in that break. Yes. That's like, how quickly after you miss a pill or not take one can that happen? 
So with the break, it's not tip. It's not usual to get pregnant. You know, the, the, the pill is fairly effective. However, if you miss pills before or just after that break, that's when the efficacy is less. So if you're taking the pill every single day and you miss once in a blue moon, it's not going to reduce the pill's efficacy as yeah. contraceptive coverage. No, but what I mean but is if, that if you were taking the, break, the seven day break, yeah. Yes. And then if you miss a pill on either side of that, then you're much more likely to have an ovulation or for the pill to be to, to, to not work. So it's close to the break because the break is there. Yeah. If you take it, um, uh, you know, if, if you miss it, for example, in the middle of the 21 days, it's less likely to fail because, it's, yeah. you know, you've got you've got you know, 13 days or whatever, 12 days on either side. Mm. So it's missing a pill close to the break that it's more likely to fail rather than the break itself. Because is it that the body realises very quickly, oh, this is gone? Oh, absolutely. So the minute you stop taking it, the pituitary gland starts waking up because the the oestrogen and progesterone aren't in the system. So the pituitary gland starts, you know, waking up, driving the the ovaries to produce. Now that takes a little bit of time. And normally by the time you start again, seven days after the break, that, that that process is is prevented again, yeah. but again, it, the the, pill, the missed pills around the time of the break are are where where failures happen. Yeah. There was another myth that I remember it being around uh, in, in in my younger years was girls were warned, oh yeah, you can go on the pill, that's fine, go on the pill, but remember when you want to have children, eventually it'll be harder for you. Yeah, totally, completely and utterly wrong. And in fact, you know, because the pill is a really good treatment for, for example, endometriosis, there is, well, it's not, you know, but there's a, there's a, a place for saying that maybe because pe- women on the pill are much less likely to develop endometriosis, that it can, re- you know, can preserve fertility or improve, not, you know, but reduce the, the chance of endometriosis happening. And that being then a barrier to or a, a problem when it comes to conceiving later in life. So basically the pill doesn't impact fertility in a negative way in any way and it's out of your system 24 hours after you last take it. So your own system will bounce back immediately and there is no delayed return to fertility after stopping the pill. Okay. Can I just finally ask you Dr. Sullivan, we we watched the late late uh, the other night I think with broken hearts Mm -hmm. when we looked at Vicky Phelan. Absolutely. And that woman has she's just extraordinary but I think when you see Vicky Phelan, is that telling us how important it is for young women to get themselves vaccinated against cervical cancer? I think it has to be uh, the tragic, the tragedy of it has to be the strongest message to all women and to girls and mothers and parents of, of, of young girls to say get vaccinated because it is it is just so hugely effective and it's a disease. You know, I've been doing this job for 30 years. I've seen the most dreadful cases over and over again. And when you've got something very simple and very safe that 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 can prevent this common and devastating illness devastating illness it's just it's it's a no-brainer and it's not just cervical cancer it reduces penile cancer it reduces anal cancer it reduces oral and head and neck cancers as well so it's such a hugely hugely important thing just to say to all mothers of daughters women out there obviously it has to be done at an early age before girls become sexually active mm. the HPV vaccine is an absolute game changer it is revolutionary and it is so safe 
you know, my two girls have it. They were first in the queue. I cannot say strongly enough what an important, simple, safe, amazing yeah. um, product it is. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Dr. Suzanne O'Sullivan, consultant in OBS and Gynae at CUH. The myths surrounding the pill and the importance of the HPV vaccine. People say all the time, you know, it's it's a hashtag these days. Vaccines work well for sure. For sure as there's a tail and a donkey. That one does. 1850-715-996. Yeah, Seamus Ronan was our winner yesterday uh, on the 10K toy giveaway. He was on again last evening with Lorraine. Let's go to Seamus in Rena Screener. Hiya, Seamus. How's it going? I'm very good. How are you? Mikey, I'm going you bring me up. Oh my God, there is such excitement in your house. Who have you got there with you? Uh, I've Colin and my two twins, uh, Darren and Leah. Have they been making? <laughs> <laughs> have they been making their lists? They, they can make them. You know, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to hear a whole lot of shouting right now because you've just won the toy shopping spree. Hey! Yes. Well done to you, Seamus. 500 euro to spend in Smith's Toy Superstores. Happy shopping. Uh, mayhem in the Ronan house last evening. And who knows, your house could be next. We'll do it in the next 20 minutes. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Morris makes a point about the shortage of doctors, which I'll get to in a while. Speaking with Matt earlier in the programme about the effect of the new restrictions on musicians and DJs and people who are having gigs cancelled in the run-up to Christmas because of the, the tightening up of restrictions again. It prompted Martin to call the Opinion Line. Martin, what did you want to say? Good morning to you. Hiya, PJ. Um, as you know, I'm working in two pubs, right. uh, Stables Bar in Kerrigaline. Right. And Flannery's Bar. Okay. And I can't actually work from home. Sure. And it affects me big time because uh, I lose out on a lot of money. Um, like have you lost hours since it changed, Martin? I have indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, you can't, uh, you can't work no. from home. So are you worried about, say, coming up to Christmas now if there were any more restrictions coming in? Yeah. 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 Because I lose out on a lot of money again. Like. And, like, it's not the same when you're at home. Because the work I do, it can't be uh, homework. Yeah, you, you do stock, don't you? Yeah, I do. I stock bear cakes and yeah. wines and spirits and that. Yeah. And it's not it's not something that you can do. At home, uh, which is, and you're probably one of, of many hundreds of more people, Martin, thank you, uh, who are concerned about what will happen coming up to Christmas because they got their hours back and they got their shifts and they got all that and they had Christmas coming up and four weeks out, they don't know what's going to happen. Martin, thank you for that. 1850 715 996. Reminder to you, Premier League live back this Saturday. 
at 96fm.ie and on the uh, Cork's 96fm app with Trevor Welsh, powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage of Arsenal versus Newcastle at half 12, Crystal Palace against Aston Villa at 3, and Brighton v Leeds at 5.30. That's the Premier League Live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. Listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie and speaking of football and as you know, or you might know you probably do know, I am a late Norian fan. No, not a closet one. I'm out of the closet for years. I am a late Norian fan. There's a young man from Cork Aaron Drynan, who is scoring for fun at the moment over at Leighton Orient. Great to see it. He scored again last night. One all draw. Uh, brilliant to see. Aaron Drynan. A lot of people said to me, are you not going to mention Aaron Drynan? I am mentioning Aaron Drynan. I would squish out from the rooftops about Aaron Drynan. Scoring for fun with uh, Leighton Orient at the moment. And great to see. Morris says on the subject of the shortage of doctors... We're a great little country for making a virtue out of necessity, such as dealing with emigrating doctors and nurses. Everything can be done in the next few years, but never right now. There's the five-year plan, the ten-year plan, the strategy, the goal, the target, but always no immediate solutions. Everything seems to be put off to a later date in this country. And when the time comes to do it, there's further delay. The complaining goes on and on. When are we going to have a government which will govern this country and do things now? They were quick enough to move on the COVID-19 when the will was there. Our government has to make it attractive to live and work here for medical people who feel they otherwise have to emigrate. Instead of importing doctors, nurses and carers to make up the shortfall. Do it now rather than some broken promise down the line. And almost in conjunction with that comes in thank you for this whoever looked this up the medical council register as of october 2021 says 3000 doctors 3000 doctors left over the last 5 years to take up positions overseas i think that answers it all 1857 we were talking last week about the situation with the fire brigade in ballancolig the budget of the city council for 2022 pretty much puts the kibosh on the fire service in Ballancolic. €84,000 or thereabouts in cuts will leave Ballancolic fire station effectively empty and useless. Councillor Kieran McCarthy has been following up and trying to get something done about that. Kieran, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. I should actually uh, clarify there. Um, I didn't actually get elected the last time, so unfortunately, I'm not a councillor. But I, but I but beg your pardon. It's up in front of me as a councillor, and sure, you know what? The, the, no, the, time, the time, the time was once when I could recite the name of. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Every elected councillor in Cork City and County County. I'm not that quite a nerd anymore. So. Well, hopefully next time, PJ. Hopefully uh, next yeah, time. But you, you've been digging. Yeah. You've been digging into it anyway. And what have you found? I have been, PJ. Yes, basically, it's. Um, The situation is a twofold one, essentially, um, involving mismanagement, involving on the the one side, the city, and on the other side, Ballincollig. So basically, looking at the the city side of the firefighting uh, to begin with, um, essentially, they haven't actually um, recruited in the last six years. And this has led to a situation whereby they're currently undermanned at the moment. Um, I understand that to, uh, to man the two full-time um, city stations, that's Ballyvalan and Anglesey Street, um, that they need a cover of uh, 19 at any one stage, but at the moment they're down to 18. Mm. And this has resulted from you know an, a, a failure to, uh, to recruit over the last six years, basically. And um, at the same time, then, um, Ballincollig was brought into the, the city bounds, um, actually before the, the local elections in, uh, in 2019, um, and we were promised the sun and the moon and the stars. Of course, we weren't. We didn't receive those. Ballincollig had been run by um, what's known as retained firefighters. Yeah. I had been covered by retained firefighters up to then. The guy's on and call, sure, isn't it? Carry a bleep or leave me correct. at the station. They yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, fantastic... Um, you know, a very brave um, and very committed locals uh, who were willing to carry a beeper 24-7. And I think the the, the amount they're given a retainer, a very modest retainer, yeah. of about €11,000. Yeah, and as, as and Billy Crowley from the union said to us last week, that yeah. five of those have now gone to be trained as full-time firefighters and the best of luck to them. So, But it leaves Ballon colleague bereft. It does, it does. And as you say, like the, the very best of luck to them. I mean, who wouldn't wish for them to be able to follow their vocation on a full-time basis? So the prior to that, there had been a difficulty with Ball and Colleague in any event in that the retained firefighters had been allowed to dwindle down to seven. And that was the, the minimum number they could operate with. And in the, the event that one of these seven wasn't available for a, a medical emergency or whatever it was, then cover was provided by the city station. But of course, you take away the five then in September and and that's it. So what the city council decided to do at that stage was they decided to run a recruitment campaign for more retained firefighters. Um, so they were they, they held interviews and they got guys who were interested as far away from Waterford and Tipperary to come down. But there was one slight snag when they got here. They had to live within two kilometres of the fire station, PJ. And uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the area there. Um, rents ain't cheap there at the moment. And there's not a lot of property uh, going either. There's not a lot. There's one house 
um, available currently on daft.ie uh, within two kilometres of the, the station. And that's going to set you back uh, 3,300 euros rent per month. What? So that's what you're looking. Yeah, yeah. That's there's one house available at the moment, and that's three what that's, that's the rent. grand a month. Three and a half grand a month. Uh, you know. So I mean, you know, if you do the maths, if you if you want to pay these guys eleven grand retainer a year, well, that's not going to last too long, is it? You know, the retainer isn't going to last too long paying rents of of that caliber. So um, yeah. So what you need to be a retained firefighter. First of all, you need to be able to live within two kilometres of the station. And secondly, obviously, you need to have a, a full-time job that's going to allow you to drop everything at the, you know, the drop of a hat yeah. and make your way out um, and put yourself into danger, put yourself into harm's way, put yourself into a dangerous, fast-moving vehicle and not be able to tell your employer when you're coming back. So it's not every fair, job will allow you to do that. There's not many of them. And like to be fair, they had guys come down to interview from Waterford, uh, from Tipperary, you know, suitable guys. They tried to find accommodation. Snag. That's where that's where it stopped. So the plan was taken at that stage to pay some of the guys, the already depleted teams from the city centre to come out to Ballancolic. I think it was five 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 fighters were sent out on overtime to um to cover the station in Ballancolig while they were, you know, whatever they were going to do to, to sort this out. Um, but unfortunately, um, of Tuesday of last week, um, they had a meeting mm. with the bean counters, I believe, and it was decided that that was no longer feasible. So, so, so where are we now, Kieran? on the, uh, what what date is it today, the, the, the 24th of November? Yeah. Where are we now heading into... Christmas season and the risk of fire in fire, house fires at Christmas season. And where are we now with a fire service in Ballancolig? Um, not we. Well, frankly, we have none um, at the moment. Um, they somebody came up with another scheme last Thursday. They decided to order a team of firefighters out to Ballancolig and to deplete the city units further. Um, what could possibly go go wrong? Says you. Um, well, everything went wrong that day. So you had the lads, I believe it was five of them stationed out here, ordered to come out to Ballincollig, um, waiting for a call to go back to the, the main station, which never happened. Of course, what happened immediately, there was a, a two-pump fire, I believe, which is a substantial fire inside in the city somewhere or in, the, the, in the environs, rapidly followed by another call out for the, um, the search and rescue team, which should have been on standby for river rescues. So at that stage, you had nothing. So wow. they went screaming around looking for cover so they tried to tap up Middleton and they tried to tap up for Moy and I believe they got cover from Middleton but the snag with that was that they have to the, get here the only sorry they have to get here it had to get here and also it was defective so it, it needed something called a high ab crane in order to affect river rescues and it didn't have oh, that and um, so if there had been one of these it would have been an absolute mess so effectively what you're saying you're on at this stage and i'm a bit caught for time but what you're saying at this stage yeah. is that balancholic heading into christmas has no fire service worth talking about and to give it a fire service the only way they can do that at the moment is to deplete another part of the city fire service that's where we are uh, Kieran, leave it there Kieran McCarthy thank you town of 20,000 people Ballancolig no fire service heading into Christmas to give it a fire service the only way they can do that is to deplete another part of the service
Ireland 2021, my friends. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Five, four, three, two, one. Text or WhatsApp now on 083 396 your chance to play our 10k toy giveaway. Take you on a Corks 96 FM. Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. Panto returns to Cork Opera House this Christmas with a brand new show titled Nanny Nelly's Adventures in Pantoland. Tickets are now on sale for the performances which run at the venue from December 10th until January 9th. Access all areas. Following three sold-out shows last December, ABBA Forever returns to Cork with the smash hit Joe celebrating ABBA's music with a loud and proud production. There's lots of visuals of original ABBA moments on a giant screen taking place on Sunday 28th of November. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Caller says Ballancolic has a fine, fine Garda station, which is almost never open. Now the fire service is gone. It's a fine big town serving an even bigger, prosperous area. I think it's time to invite the Lord Mayor on, and remember he's a carry our Ballancolic councillor, invite the Lord Mayor on to discuss where our taxpayers' money is going. His party is in government, he's head of the council, and he's a local councillor. I wonder, would he come on for a natter about the situation? 1850715996. Lots of people saying about the super value ad that I mentioned at the very top of the programme this morning. Dee said it's like chopping onions in the kitchen when, when they watched it yesterday. It is. Have a look at it. It's on YouTube already and you'll find it. They've, you know, you thought they couldn't improve on yesterday, you know? Granddad and Connor and I knew you'd come kind of thing. You thought they couldn't improve on that? They've improved on that. They have improved on that. Super value ad for 2021. It's gorgeous. Oh, speaking of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cork's 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Douglas Village Shopping Centre for toys, food, fashion and lifestyle. 50 years at the heart of the village. Yeah, giving away loads and loads and loads and loads of shopping sprees with Douglas Village Shopping Centre. 50 years at the heart of the village. We had another winner on this programme yesterday. The Dorgans. Seamus walked away with a 500 euro shopping euro, shopping voucher, toy shopping voucher for Smith's Toys. Let's see if we can line Chloe up to win another one. Hey, Chloe, how are you doing? Chloe. Oh, she's there. How are you? I'm good. How are you keeping? Not so bad. How good. easy would it be for you to spend 500 euro on toys? Oh, very easy. I have a six-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Oh, so God. I'm sure um, they'd find <laughs> things to buy there. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Well, you know what? All I can do is put you into the draw. So okay, great. Let's see if we can do that for you. I have a question. It's an A or B answer. And your okay. answer will determine where you go. All right, the question. What is a well-known box of treats associated with 
Christmas? Is it A, a selection box, or B, a spice box? I'll go with A. You'd go with A and you'd be right, so you would, yes. Also, it's acceptable breakfast on any morning after Christmas. Great. (laughs) Selection box. Okay, so you're through, Chloe, to the draw with Lorraine this evening and who knows you might be our fourth daily winner from the opinion line good luck alright that's great thank you give it back to Fiona there for some more details she got all your details from me thank you Chloe she's our latest qualifier from the opinion line with the 10k toy giveaway with Douglas Village Shopping Centre 50 years at the heart of the village Simon's got another qualifier later Lorraine's got one herself and the draw is after six Shortages of doctors, we spoke about earlier on, shortages of GPs, and also a story receiving a lot of coverage in the last few days is waiting lists. What am I saying the last few days, the last few years? We read in the Echo earlier this week that there are nearly 75,000 adults and children waiting now for outpatient appointments at hospitals in Cork. That is a colossal number of people. 8,036 children, including nearly 5,500 at CUH, nearly 2,000 at the South Infirmary, and some 1,600-odd children waiting longer than 18 months to be seen. This is a a crisis situation. Martin Varley is Secretary-General of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association. Martin, is it that they're just like there's not enough GPs? There's not enough of you guys either. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, un- unfortunately, what we're seeing is there there is a, a very significant capacity deficit in our public health system, and we're very familiar with it in terms of our public hospitals, and the association and its consultant members have been highlighting this for years. And in fact, these deficits go back uh, over a decade, and not enough was being done over the last 10 more years to address the deficits, and now COVID has effectively unmasked the seriousness of these deficits. The deficits have always been there. The waiting lists have been growing for the last 10 more years. And in fact, even looking at at the situation in Cork and all the Cork hospitals in the southwest, um, over the last six years, compared with 2015, the increase in waiting lists for outpatient appointments has gone up by 14,000 CUH. That's a 65% increase. By 2,000 in the Mercy, which is a 40% increase, and similar increases elsewhere across the whole Southwest. And uh, inpatient day case waiting lists are uh, quite high, and uh, there's over 20% of those waiting for inpatient care mm. in Cork hospitals waiting over a year. So they're all serious indicators of deficits, people left waiting, which is not good for them. And then, of course, we have the trolley crisis problems, which continues even during the COVID crisis. So Mm. all the indicators are there. The real difficulty is we're not putting the capacity in place in terms of extra beds, extra theatre facilities, and we're not filling uh, enough consultant posts. Yeah. Uh, a huge number of consultant posts are vacant. Are it, here's a question that arises on that con- those consultant posts. Well, well, well two, but but the, the first one in particular uh, is a practice that I understand, Martin, still continues. And maybe it doesn't, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it does. So if I'm a consultant 
and I, for whatever reason, announce I'm leaving my post. So I give, what, three, maybe six months notice. And I say, I'm leaving my post. Let's say, for example, I'm leaving my post and I leave on the 31st of March. Why is it my yeah. post won't be advertised until April? That causes an, an unnecessary blank in the system. It, it does, and it's not. It's, it's absolutely unnecessary. I think it's it still should, continues, it should advertise it? the post. It still continues. Strictly speaking, and it's not a position the association or any consultant would take. Strictly speaking, you can continue in your post up to obviously your retirement date. Now that's been complicated a little bit because in the past the retirement date was from 60 on or 65. Now it can be up to 70. So an individual could change their mind, I suppose. That's the other possibility. I don't think too many do. Uh, I don't think it prevents you from advertising the post and interviewing it and put people on panel. So there's a solution, yeah. as you would do in the real world. Why are there, you apart from that reason? Plan, yeah, I mean, if I if I gave in my notice that I was leaving here, this job on the, say, the 31st of May, there is no way they'd start looking for a new replacement in June. They'd begin looking in January. February even, Absolutely. to have someone lined up. Just on the other reason, so many empty consultant posts, how much of that is down to pay? And I preface that by saying, we all know you're you're not badly paid. Well, how much of it is down to pay? I think a lot of it is down to the discrimination that was brought in in 2012 by the then government which decided that newly appointed consultants would be paid 30% less than their colleagues. Now, discrimination of any magnitude doesn't help you if you're trying to employ people. Mm. And certainly of the order of 30%. But isn't that a starting rate that goes up? No, the discrimination I'm talking about at 30% is at the max of a scale. So Ah. it's discrimination from the first point throughout and throughout the rest of your career. So that's not something that sits well in any uh, professional or employee group. On top of that, you have to allow for the fact there is a worldwide shortage of consultants and specialists. Mm. And a lot of our highly trained uh, specialists and those in training immigrate to ensure they've got the best possible world-class experience. Yeah. And they find they're working in certain services overseas that, number one, do not discriminate against them. They treat them yeah. the exact same as our colleagues. Yeah, it's always and been a kind of a rite of passage for every doctor, I suppose, that they spend some time overseas. But I think the trend now is a lot of them do not come back. Well, that's the problem. And I think there's two main reasons for it. One is that discriminatory element has been in place since 2012. That's nine years, almost 10 years next year. And everybody has been asking the government to reverse it. Several ministers have given unambiguous commitments they would reverse it but they haven't done it. So people take people on their word, and trust is hugely important. If you're making a career change, they will decide, where will I work for the next 20, 30 years? And you're working in Australia or North America or elsewhere, and you're not being discriminated against, and you're being facilitated, and this is the other important point, to treat your patients on time. You don't have these, these capacity deficits we're always talking about. You don't have these long waiting lists. Uh, the choice is fairly easy, despite the fact you want to come back and work in your own country and help out uh, with the public health service. The choice becomes, unfortunately, uh, stay where you are. And mm. we've talked to a lot of our highly trained specialists and they tell us that they'd like to come back. Uh, but there's too many things driving them away. So that's mm. politics for you. The government of the day has responsibilities in this regard. They're not addressing 
the discrimination they introduced themselves in September yeah. 2012. Martin, we've all known, I think, for, for a long time that there were many holes in our health service. Would it be a fair assessment to say that COVID in particular has, a, even though the response of staff on the front line was remarkable and continues to be remarkable, but the holes in the system have been exposed like never before by COVID? They, they have, and, and of course it's, it's, it's even more horrendous because uh, now we hear the difficulties with the ICU bed deficits and the difficult choices that doctors might have to make if we don't have enough ICU beds. And we had that discussion back in March, April, May of 2020, over a year ago. And that's horrendous, and people don't like to be in that position. Uh, anybody working in the public health service just does not want to have to make those difficult choices. But we've we've been making difficult choices with patients, hundreds of patients on trolleys, month in, month out for the last decade. So it has unmastered, it has highlighted it, uh, but you know what? We, we shouldn't have had to wait for that to happen because having elderly patients on trolleys who should be in a bed and getting proper treatment isn't acceptable in a developed economy either. Yeah, and with or without a pandemic, it was never acceptable for that to happen. I think it was always happening, Martin, but we see it now in in writ writ large, as they say, writ large, the failure of the public health service in this country. Thank you for your time. Martin Varley, Secretary General of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association, speaking on the opinion line. It is a mess. That statistic... We can't repeat it often enough. They should make T-shirts and put it out there. We should have, by OECD standards, should have 500 ICU beds fully staffed in this country. We struggle for three. That should be writ large as a failure of every government for the last 30 years. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Lots to talk on the programme this morning about doctors and the shortage of doctors and why there's such a shortage of doctors, talking about GPs earlier on, just talking there before 11 with Martin Varley about consultants, the shortage of consultants in the system and the resultant huge numbers on waiting lists. And it really, really is. COVID has exposed our Banjax health service for what it actually is. The people in it are the best in the business, but there's just not enough of them. Nothing like enough of them. On WhatsApp, we got this message earlier. I agree our doctors are very highly trained, and I'm thankful for that. But I think it's absolutely disgraceful that you now can't get an appointment to see your doctor face-to-face unless you have a COVID test first. When it comes to adults, I say that's okay. But with children, it's ridiculous. You can't get a COVID test now for a couple of days. So having to waste just isn't on. I work in a public-facing job on a daily basis. I can't ask everyone to have a COVID test before they come in to see me. My niece cried down the phone, begging a doctor. 
to see her child. Yeah, you see, the thing about it is this. You can see, too, where the doctor is coming from because they are now so thin on the ground that if the doctor gets COVID or the practice nurse, if they have one, gets COVID, then everybody suffers. The whole community suffers while they either isolate or recover. Yeah. It's, but I, yeah, not being able to get to see the doctor with a sick child is, must be very frustrating for, for any parent. Very, very frustrating. 1850 your chance to win with Aladdin at the Everyman Continues. Remember, two family passes every day this week for the Everyman Panto on the 9th of December. That's Thursday, that's two weeks tomorrow. Uh, four of you, family pass, will go along to see the panto but before you go to the panto we'll give you dinner at the Met and today's question to enter and we leave it open all morning at 083 396 96 96 the answer to this question and your name please what is the name of the princess in the Aladdin story give me her name and your name as they say her name and your name to 083 396 96 96 will draw two winners before we finish. Are you making or trying to make a difficult decision in your job? What you want to do with your career, where you want to go? Are you uncomfortable in the job but afraid to move on? Do you know how to make a decision or how to, or do you, are you affected by indecision in your job? There is a whole course on this starting uh, at Leap Life Coaching. Patricia Kiernan, or Tiernan rather, good morning to you. Good morning PJ, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm delighted. Indecision. You know there are people who want to move, who want to go for that promotion or who want to leave the job and want to move on to something else and they are racked by indecision and one would say that an indecisive worker is not a great one. Well, it, an unhappy worker is, is going to have uh, an impact on a business. So if, if someone's coming to work unhappy, it's going to affect their energy, it's going to affect their output, um, and, and certainly it's not good for business. Yeah. People are struggling to make a decision, though, about moving on in a lot of cases. Absolutely. So what um, the times we live in have, have brought is is an increase in a sense of indecision because a lot of people are, are hearing about the great resignation and yeah. a, about a lot of people resigning from their jobs and are seeing uh, more opportunities in terms of where they can live and in terms of um, opportunities coming up because of, of people resigning and are, are looking to people around them who are, are making decisions to move home, to move jobs and they're asking themselves uh, why can't I make that decision or what's best for me or should I do it and are questioning it and are really unsure of what it is that, that they want and so are even feeling more stuck than ever because of the increase of opportunities that are actually out there now. Would it be as well that people with families in particular, that the the indecision, uh, the family doesn't help indecision because you're not deciding for you, you're deciding for your partner, your children, whomever. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So it, it, it really affects our ability to to make a decision, the more responsibilities that we have. So all, uh, be it um, family members, uh, kids, but also it could be aging parents that we're afraid 
that the decision that we make might put us in a worse off position. So the devil you know in a sense is better than the devil that you don't. Yeah. So we remain stuck yeah. but our unhappiness grows because we know something isn't quite right yeah. and the more stuck we feel um, is when we feel that we don't have options, that, yeah. we, that we actually can't yeah. take a step forward. Do you think, Patricia, there are a lot of people stuck in jobs that they no longer want to do but, but are afraid to move on because of the consequences for them or those they love? Absolutely. Um, in, in my work as, as a coach and I'm working with a, a coach, Tracy Ward in, in London as well, who's experiencing the same um, on the ground, is that we have people coming to us because of that feeling of stuckness, that they're feeling overwhelmed. There's more um, work demands being placed on them. There's more demands at home being placed on them. And they really are at a loss what to do. And when you're that um, stressed and under pressure, it's really hard to think. It's really hard to think clearly as to what it is that you want so people are coming to coaching to get that kind of support that space to look at what it is that they want mm. and to be able to see the wood for the trees in terms of what the options are and when someone comes to you for help in seeing the wood from the trees what do you show them so a huge part of our work is to is to actually unpack um what is um first of all what's what's not okay what's not working and to look at that and to look at also um in terms of what's getting in the way of making decisions. So you made the point, for example, of, of dependence of, of family members to really look at the assumptions we might be making that uh, about that choice and about the realities around that. And that can help to really um, quieten down the, the fears in our mind when we look at them face on and, and are able to see that um, maybe the worst case scenario that we're looking at isn't the only scenario. There's also a best case. And also there's a middle ground that we often don't look at in terms yeah. of what actually might happen if we were to move. There's a lot of people probably, as they hear us now, maybe the discussion going on in their minds is, well, you know what? I could be happier. I could be more fulfilled, but the pay is good and, and the job it's, it's quite safe, so two out of three ain't bad. A lot of people in that particular position. Yeah, there, there is, but I, I think that part of the great resignation, what's happening is that shifting, that thought is really shifting for people because um, now that we're, we are perhaps working from home and there's talk about, you know, when will we have to go back to the office and we might not have that extra time with the kids, that money, we're starting to look at the different values, money mm. against um, time with family, and we're starting to actually really question whether that's enough anymore. And that's what's really affecting people's decision and pushing them to, to look at what are the other options that are available to them. Um, and so that, that age-old, um, almost like a handcuff that was keeping us to jobs of money and salary being the main driver is really um, being shaken up uh, with this great resignation that's happening. In order to help people, you are starting a coaching programme in January. Tell us more. So um, in January, in, um, in partnership with Tracy Ward in, in London, we are actually supporting in particular people um, who are living abroad, who are faced with the decision as to whether to come home or not. So you've got a lot of people um, in Australia or Canada um, that during the pandemic um, have been faced with, with this extra 
uh, dilemma of whether they should stay or, or, or return. So we're looking at it from all perspectives in terms of what it is that they want from the career and what it is that they want uh, from life and supporting them to to look at that and understand um, what are the challenges that they're they're facing and also to to creatively look at um, what it is that they want as opposed to what society is telling them they want. So for example, um, when we when we're really stuck in a problem, often what happens is we look at the same information. So it that it goes around and around in our heads. So for example, you might be saying that we really miss um, family and friends at home, but we really enjoy the person that we are and the lifestyle we have in this new country that we're in. So as coaches, some of the exercises that we would do would support people to really look at it from an intuitive perspective in terms of deep down and kind of gut instinct, what is it that I want? Or deep down, um, um, what is it my gut instinct is telling me that I need to do? Because often that intuitive part of us, um, we actually bypass it or we don't spend time looking at, at that. And mm. it, it it's amazing how much can can come from actually really spending the time of, of asking yourself um, mm. from a gut instinct, mm. what is it you want to do? Are we kind of auto-tuned in Ireland in particular, Patricia, to undervalue ourselves? Undervalue ourselves in, in what sense? In terms of, do you know, how how attractive a prospect we are to a prospective employer if we wanted to move back from wherever we've been or move on from wherever we are. Do we undervalue ourselves? And you know what, if I put myself out there, who's going to want me? I think, well... What research would show is is women um, would undervalue themselves more, in, particularly in the workplace. For example, studies have shown that when a job is advertised, that a, that a woman um, traditionally would want to see that they'd have the majority of, of the, the skills or experience that's um, described in the ad, whereas right. um, yeah. men would have more courage to, to go for it, even if they only have a, a small uh, proportion. So I think there's... Um, there is more of a sense of of women being afraid uh, to make the move or or feeling that they're not as valuable as they most definitely are. Um, So so that definitely plays a factor. Okay. Your your course is in January. Leapcoaching.ie is the website where you'll find out more information. It is a paid course. That's a matter for yourself. Uh, And that's Patricia Tiernan. She is from Leap Life Coaching. And leapcoaching.ie for more information on that. I, I'd hate to be in that kind of, of of a position at the moment in my life. I think there's enough going on without having to make those decisions. But there's a course to help you with them. 185715996 on Ballancolig Fire Brigade. PJ Cork City Fire Brigade is top heavy like the HSE. And now they're trying to cut the frontline workers. It's a disgrace. What is happening. On hospitals and waiting lists, Councillor Ted Tynan was on. PJ, regarding the South Docks development, new hospital, it's a public-private partnership. It's in the public health sector where the crisis is. Not quite sure if I get your meaning, Ted. Are you saying that there's something not right about having the new hospital down there or the fact that it is a public-private partnership? Maybe if you text again, I'll get the point. Well, thank you. 1850 And Maria was on from y'all. Hi, PJ, just listening to the news uh, and building up South Dock in Blackpool. I'm fuming here. I live in y'all. As you know, this town is constantly growing. We've been fighting to have a South Dock reinstated here for years now. 
but it seems to be falling on deaf ears. 1850-715-996. Coming up, why are we trying to send a rocket up to crash into an asteroid? Why is NASA doing that? Find out next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Fully focus what you mean, got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick, Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live. With now, your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most. With now. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96fm app. Cork's 96fm. Now, there are two huge things in the sky above us. Didymos, which is an asteroid, and Dimorphos, which is its own moon. And NASA is sending up a spacecraft to take a pot shot at Dimorphos. Leo Enright, help. What's going on here? Good morning. Good morning, BJ. Yeah, well, I tell you, it was pretty spectacular this morning. They launched it from California, uh, this rocket, and the live pictures... Uh, from the rocket as it left Earth were really jaw-dropping because you could actually see the Earth shrinking in size on the television screen as they headed away. So this thing left Earth this morning like a bat out of hell. Mm. And it's heading for this uh, asteroid and its tiny little moon. Uh, As you say, it's it's got a very fancy Latin name. Um, Didymos is the big asteroid, the, the, the kind of mother asteroid, asteroid, and the little moon with the fancy name used to be called the Diddy Moon. Um, that's what everybody called it until they came up with the fancy uh, Latin name of Dimorphos. But I like to think of it as the Diddy Moon. Okay. And what they're going to do um, it, just before Christmas of next year, so in about uh, 13 or 14 months, They're going to crash directly. I mean, as I said, it left like a bat out of hell this morning, and it's going to keep bat out of helling all the way out to this asteroid, and it's going to crash into the Diddy moon um, at about eight kilometers a second uh, to see if they can push it out of its orbit. They can change the orbit of this little moon uh, to demonstrate the theory that we could someday save ourselves from a killer asteroid. I was just going to ask you that question. Why? Why are they trying to do this? Yeah, well, if the Didymos, the, the main asteroid, is only about a kilometer across. So it's, it's pretty small as asteroids go. I mean, there are asteroids that are nearly the size of our moon. Um, so this thing is pretty small. But just to give you some idea, just this asteroid, this small one kilometer size asteroid, would obliterate Cork City. 
it would leave a hole in the ground that stretched from Blarney out to Cove Harbour. Right. There'd be nothing left. I see. So these asteroids are a danger. There's no question about it. Yeah, I hasten to add, yeah. PJ, this isn't going to crash into us soon, and it's definitely not going to crash into Cork soon. Um, I just want to make that absolutely clear. Sure. But just to give you some idea. But are you saying even with the burning up in the atmosphere, it would still do that kind of damage? Exactly, yeah. Once you get to about a kilometre size, which is the size of this thing, um, you're, you're, it's bits of it are going to get through to the surface. Wow. Um, there are all sorts of thing, variables because these, these asteroids, no two asteroids are the same. They might look alike to us, but the reality is that each one of them is different. Its composition is different. Its weight is different. All sorts of things. Mm. And are we able to see, and we know just how much we can tell through maths and physics uh, of what's happening in the universe, Leo, are scientists able to look up into space and say, well, there's that one and there's that one. And we really want to be careful of that one because it is on a collision course in a couple of hundred years. Can yeah, we do that's, that kind that's of maths? Exactly, that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, there's a team, for instance, in Arma Observatory uh, who've been doing this uh, very uh, seriously for many years. Uh, and they've done a lot of work um, where, where they look at the ones that we don't know about. Um, if you remember, there was that famous American uh, politician, Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. Uh, not the most popular man in the world. But Donald Rumsfeld once talked about the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. There are things we know we don't know about, and then there are things that we don't even know that we don't know about. And the problem with asteroids is that there is a class of asteroid. In fact, they're more likely comets as it happens, but that's a, a minor detail. Um, there's a class of these objects that could come in from the, from the north, as it were, from, from above our orbit, which we wouldn't see coming. Uh, and they are the biggest danger at the moment because we do know about 90, I think it's roughly 99.3% of all of the dangerous asteroids that we know are out there. Mm. We, we can tell what they're going to do. But there is that tiny percentage of things that could come out of nowhere, as it were. Yeah. And that's the one thing that the, the lads and lassies uh, in Armagh are particularly worried about. They've done a number of simulations where they've tried to guess how many of these things there might be that we don't even know uh, that we know about. Sure. And they won't bother you nor me because they're hundreds and hundreds of years away or dozens of years away minimum. Hopefully. So so hopefully. hopefully hopefully not. But we will hope to learn from hitting Dimorphos in the face in a year's time what we can do to influence it. It, it sounds a little bit like, Leo, a scene from Avengers Assemble or something like that where Iron Man takes a nuke up into the atmosphere. Doesn't it? Yeah, there's a bit of that, PJ, and I'd be blunt with you. Uh, if you read between the lines of some of the comments from uh, brainy people um, uh, th that I've been reading this morning who are, you know, they think it's a nice little project, uh, but you could over, over, overplay this. Mm. Um, you know, we have actually crashed into asteroids before. 
the Americans um, fired basically a cannonball uh, into an asteroid 10 years ago. Uh, back, back about 10 years ago, uh, to, to blast material off the surface and see what that material was made of. And then a couple of years ago, PJ, the Japanese bombed an asteroid. I swear to God, they bombed it. Right. They dropped a bomb onto an asteroid and with a fuse on it, and they, their little robot moved back away from the asteroid and kaboom, the bomb went off, and they they got to study the crater that was created by mm. that particular bomb. So um, it's not this stuff isn't entirely new. Um, I think some of the best uh, benefits out of this mission, um, I think, are first of all public uh, awareness. Mm. Uh, I, I think there's a strong element of that in what they're doing. But also the fact that there's a big international involvement. Uh, there's an Italian, a tiny little Italian spaceship riding along with this American ship that launched today. It, it's The Italian thing is about the size of my large toaster in the kitchen. And, <laughs> and it will actually, it's actually the thing that's going to film uh, the impact of the main uh, spacecraft when it crashes uh, into Dimorphos. Uh, in October, November of so, next so year. So we'll get to watch this live? So we'll get to watch it live, exactly. <laughs> and and also, uh, it's even more international because we in Europe, the European Space Agency, we are going to launch our own mission to this little asteroid and its moon uh, in a couple of years' time. Mm. And the idea is that our mission, HERA, it's called, uh, it's named after one of the, I think, Hera was Hera. Hera was one of the Greek gods, uh, goddesses, I think. Um, it, this Hera will arrive a couple of years after the impact, and it will look at the, it'll measure the, um, it'll measure the the hole in the ground. Uh, it'll measure the orbit of the little Diddy moon, uh, and it will even land uh, a small little robot onto the surface of the right. Diddy Moon. So, um, so it's very much an international effort. Uh, and I think what's important about this is that it, it, it will, it's a good opportunity for international space agencies to practice how they would work together if they suddenly discovered, God forbid, but if they suddenly discovered that there's something coming at us and we've only three or four years in which to yeah. do something, yeah. then this is a very good way of getting used to how you would plan and operate a mission it, uh, it, to try and mitigate the effects of something. It's remarkable science. And like I said, it is like something out of Avengers Assemble. But Leo, before I let you go, have you any idea or any estimate how much is this costing? It's not a very expensive mission, PJ. So uh, by, by that, I mean, I think it's only in the region of $600 million. Okay, but uh, you've got to remember that small that cheese in space. This, to be fair, well, it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the Mars landers, the Mars rovers, cost well over a billion uh, each. <clears throat> so, um, but you also have to remember, PJ. I always say this to people, and this is very relevant um, in Munster, for instance, because there's a lot of small companies making good money out of the space program in Munster. And 
um, the fact of the matter is that they don't take $600 million, put it in a wheelbarrow and wheel it into a spaceship and launch it into space. The money is spent here on Earth. Uh, on contracts for for small companies. So there's companies in Italy, of course, working on the little um, toaster thing that's gone up today. Um, There's all the rocket engineers. There's the scientists, uh, many of them friends of mine, you know, really top-rate scientists. Uh, You know, they have to feed their families too, PJ, you know. Mm. Uh, And then there's also, with the European project, there will certainly be contracts here in Ireland uh, for companies wow. that will work on this particular mission, HERA, uh, uh, that launches in a couple of years' time. It's it's all remarkable stuff, Leo, and we could stay listening to this all day because it is fascinating. But uh, thank you for being with me once again on the Opinion and Space Correspondent, Leo Enright. The dimorphous, the dart to dimorphous. We're taking the dart to dimorphous. Dart is the double asteroid redirection test. We're taking the dart to dimorphous. We can't get a bus to White Church, but we can take a dart to Dimorphous. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Ted Tynan was back on. I wasn't quite getting what you were saying, Ted, about the new rehabilitation hospital down on Docklands. Uh, but you were talking about the public versus private and all that. He says there's no crisis in the private health sector. The crisis is in the public health sector, a direct result of the privatisation agendas operated by successive governments. The hospital in the South Docks is more than likely private or public-private partnership as it does not appear in any government plan. Oh, it is private. It's, a, I think, a French company, uh, Tommy Barker was saying this morning. We need all that capacity in the public health system. We should plan for proper state hospitals, not more half measures. That is the point. Thanks. And thank you, Ted. The only thing I'd say in response to that is, how long is the Blasted Children's Hospital taking and how long is it costing? Or how much, rather, is it costing? Whereas, according to the examiner today, the French crowd can have start this building in early 23. 1850 One more blast off our Aladdin competition. The question is, what is the name of the princess in the Aladdin story? Her name and your name, please, to 083 396 96 96. I'll draw our two winners just before quitting time. Fascinating read of a book recently called My Name is John. Uh, the name spelt wrong. John spelt wrong on the front of it, which you miss on the first glance. And then you go, that's spelt wrong. But the, it's all explained within. It's the story of John Brennan. Uh, one half of the Brennan brothers, John and Francis, from the telly. And, John, the, the, the thing that the book, first of all, kind of exposes is that really you're, you're the, the, the lively one and he's the strong, silent type rather than the other way around. Good morning. Yeah. That is the joys of television. (laughs) You can never believe what you see. It's like the newspapers. You just don't believe what you read. And television, the portrayal of a person on the TV can be very different than in reality. That's not to say that Francis wouldn't be good fun and great crack and all of that. Absolutely. But But, um, 
he'd be the more serious one in business than me. So it's a direct opposite to what we are. On oh, the those telly. are the two roles, as I said, that is built up for you by by television, yes. and you're quite happy to go with it. But there's there's a very long and convoluted story to your good self. I I, I didn't wasn't aware of half of it. Start with the, yes. I mentioned the title of the book, J H O N. Talk to me about O-N. dyslexia, John. And you're dead right, because when people read the title of the book, they don't they know there's something wrong, but they can't identify exactly what it is immediately. And I had a serious problem when I was in very in, in junior school, national school, um, with reading and writing and numbers. I just was at the very back of the class. I was a disaster. Um, and even the spell and this piece in the book about the word bed, I couldn't spell the word bed. Um, and I just was it was was it just school wasn't for me was the bottom line. But back in the in the 70s, when this was um, that the, certainly the system wasn't as good as it is today although I'll talk to you about that in a moment um, so you, were de- you, were, you weren't branded anything you weren't identified as anything other than stupid and you were at the back of the class and if you worked today that was grand if you didn't no one really cared about you and that's the way it drifted until we got a school teacher from West Cork who came to Dublin for uh, Finborough Driscoll and um, it was his first posting after college and just he and me clicked and he spotted something um, that needed assistance and he sent me then for um, to be um, assessed um, and I was diagnosed I suppose is the word and with dyslexia which Mm. is such a stupid name for a condition that has people with words that people have with words a dyslexia like it is it's it's that's the spelling of it the letters used in it totally unusual in the in the English language but actually for it to depict a difficulty with with um putting words together and spelling and that I think it's hilarious so if I if I I, 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 explain maybe briefly John you know for for people who don't understand it because it's not in their lives Yes. I write something down, I say, or, or I, I, I write down to you and I say, John, I need a new bed. What's yes. your problem with yes. that written down? John, I need a new bed. Um, everything. Um, certainly when I was in national school, the whole the, that whole sentence, I wouldn't have been able to read at all. Um, I would have got the eye, the need, I wouldn't have got the bed, I wouldn't have got. And you just don't get it. Um, the brain is wired differently. Um, unless the brain is, is directed in a particular um, direction, you can drift through life getting on very well. Because the, the, the one thing about um, people who, who have dyslexia is their brain thinks twice as quick as others. Because we are always facing problems that you don't face. So when you look at that on a piece of paper and you read it, you have it instantly where we're, we're trying to decide, right, what's this and what's next? You're always trying to defend what's coming down the track in two minutes' time and to be ahead of to be ahead of it. So you're you're actually working much faster. And it's funny because when you look in the world of business, a huge number of people who have been extremely successful, um, success on a global stage now, seriously successful, would suffer from dyslexia. And they have this ability to look at things differently. Mm. And that's the joy of it. And I, I don't think it is a cross to carry um, by any means. It certainly didn't hinder me, but it only didn't hinder me when it was di- when I was diagnosed and when I was pointed in the right direction. Because the day I came out of that assessment, I knew I had something that was explainable and it wasn't stupidity. There, there was a name was, on it. 
there was a name and it, it was re- it, although not recognised as in the same sense as it is today but there, it, there was a condition there and it's funny because I would have I would, when I was writing the book and when I finished the book I'm thinking this won't relate to anyone because the system has totally changed they, you have special assistant teachers you have um, all sorts of assistants in schools now for people who struggle and I said it'll be totally different but the amount of people who have contacted me one lady last week um, in tears that she has two children 18 and a 16 year old and she has struggled all through her right. um, schooling years with them in that they weren't she, she just believed that they just didn't have the intelligence and she says do you know something she said the, I read the book and she says I roared crying for the simple reason I identified a whole lot of things in my children that you wrote about and I said yes they have this, they have that, they have the other. They may not be academic. They may not be able to sit at a desk and read a book, which I couldn't sure. even read my own book. Now, I wrote it, but I couldn't even read my own book. Oh, really, uh, because I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I couldn't do it. Um, because I wouldn't be able to sit down and have the concentration for that period of time to, to read it. Having said that... And, and pardon me for asking, oh, like, when, yeah. when, when, when you would hold the page of your book in front of you and you see the yes. words and the sentences and the syntax, and yes. what, what do you see... Oh, I sorry. No, I beg your pardon. I would be able to read it physically, read it, but right. I wouldn't have the concentration to be able to sit down and read a book from start to finish. The amount of words on the pages would be too um, too much, and the brain would just switch off. I wouldn't be able to do it. But if you gave me something that I was, <laughs> I should. <laughs> this sounds off. That I'd be interested in. Not that I wouldn't be interested in my own book. Mm. But if there was, if it was a boat magazine, or if it was something that I was, or hotels about hotels overseas, or something like that, I would devour that. I and I, it, the, the brain will, will store that in a picture format that right. in five years' time, I'll be able to find that article ah. in two seconds. So it's a kind and of an attention span thing. Or an attention. It is, yeah. It, it, good. Everyone is, that everyone is different. And I, I was very lucky insofar as once I got diagnosed, I went to summer school and that was fantastic. Because when you see the word bed, you see B-E-D. Yes. What I see, what I see is a headboard a mattress and a, um, a a kicker or a, a board at the end of the board at the end of the bed. And there's um, the shape, and it looks like, and that's the shape of the bed, and that's the way that comes in. And there's like library. If there was a gun to my head tomorrow, I couldn't spell the word library for you. And when you go into Google search and you spell the word the way I spell it, I get nothing. And then I go in and I say, "Great, that's not right." And then you'll type in um, place where you rent books, and next minute library comes up, and you have the spelling. So it's you, you have to go about things slightly different in, in 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 your daily work, but you 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 make up for that, and you make up for it in other ways that are um, hugely beneficial, um, and certainly for any person who may be listening with children or maybe suffering themselves from dyslexia. Um, I would say just get on with the positives that you have, and one yeah. of the difficulties and one of the main reasons why I wrote um, the book was. The rite of passage, and to a certain, to a large extent, the only rite of passage when you leave school is go to third level college. Yes. And there's a huge number of students out there who are absolutely fantastic kids. I employ about 15 of them on an annual basis in Drunquina, um, who would be superb, but they're not suitable for third level college. Yeah. It's just they're not academic. They'll go through the, the ritual. They'll go through it because it is the thing to do. And they'll come out at 22, 23, not knowing what to do. Whereas... I left school at 15 and I went to work on a vegetable truck and then I went to work in a wholesales and then I went to work in a hotel. Yeah. 
And all those experiences stand to me much more than if I had gone to forcefully gone to college and studied something in an academic sense that didn't suit me. And I think that's where we've lost FOSS, we've lost CERT, we've lost um, um, manpower and we've lost, um, and there's another age, ANCO yeah. as well, which were all, which were all trainee um, um um, departments agencies, yeah. agent, what, what agencies. I think you're saying to me, um, John, very clearly, is there are people who can be brilliant at a job, but they would yeah. never qualify for it through the, the accepted channels, and they should get other yeah. opportunities to qualify. Correct. I'm just after coming out of an interview um, with a, a girl we were interviewing this morning, a superb, superb girl for the job we have in, 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 in line for her. She's worked in the industry for probably 10 years. I'm not one bit interested in what qualification she has because she had the personality, she has the understanding, she has the, the, the everything about her is right for the job. Um, and she, she, she learned this from the ground up, she never went to college, this girl, but she'll get the job. And if she had a piece of paper with a degree or a master's for this particular role, made no difference. Of yeah. course, there's jobs in the world that you have to go to college for. There's no question about that. Sure. But there is a serious question that 80% or 85% of our graduates go to third level college. Um, I think I think we're doing a huge injustice to a portion of them who are much better, much more um um, not as academic and much more um, hands-on yeah. um, brains in their heads that we, we and, and society kind of labels you if yeah. you don't go to third level college and I think that's all wrong. There's a feeling out there now and, and this is just briefly because I'd love to spend a day talking to you but I can't uh, that you know unless you now have a level 7 or a level 8 you're not going anywhere Correct. in life that's wrong. No. And that's 100% wrong. But it's, 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 it's the, the bit that annoys me is that if, if my child doesn't go to third level college, me as a parent is of the understanding that the neighbours looking down on them and thinking, oh, they weren't the brightest. You know, he's working in X or he's working in Y. He could, and it, it, that's not good for the child. It's not good for society because we need people um, with all sorts of different skills within society. And I think there's a whole lot of areas that people would excel in, be extremely successful, hugely success. And success to a large part stems from happiness. And if they go and they do what they're happy and, they're, and, and what their passion is, they're likely to be much more successful than doing something that they've been forced into. Um, and I just think I just think the thinking just has to be a bit different. But if your child can't read or good at numbers, it's not the end of the world by any means. And lastly and briefly, John, how is the cancer these days? The cancer's grant doesn't exist. Thanks be to God. Thanks to Mary Cahill and the crew and Dunmanway Unit and CUH. I'm clear at the minute it'll go back and haunt me at some stage in the future, but it has done that before. We'll deal with it when it comes. And in the meantime, we'll enjoy life. Fantastic. Uh, someone called Tom yeah. the Dyslexic, who says he's in engineering 30 years, says hello to you and to Francis and says you'll know who Great. he is. All Thank right. you very much. That's good to hear indeed. All right. Listening to congratulations on the book. It's a fine read. Uh, my name is John. By, oh, it's spelled wrong. Uh, by John Brennan. Thank you very much. Quick one. Every year in Cork, we tell you this every day. And we are, know that there are hundreds and hundreds of different jumper days organised, even with the restrictions. Every year, thousands of you get together to help fight, fight homelessness with Cork Simon. So what you do, organise the day, whatever way you can, if you're still in the office or if you've got to work from home or if you want to do something on Zoom, organise the day as best you can. And then get your fundraising pack at corksimon.ie and join Cork's 96FM to help fight homelessness in Cork. I'll give you the winners 
of our panto competition in just a sec. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Cork's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway is here. I, I, I got a pocket full of cash money. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. For free. Take you on a shopping spree. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. On 083 396 96 96. Cork's 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Douglas Village Shopping Centre for toys, food, fashion, and lifestyle. 50 years at the heart of the village. Only on Cork's 96 FM. TDs, PJ, have increased their pay to such an extent that decisions they make about tax or benefit payments, so they don't make any difference to them because they don't feel any pain as a result of their decisions. And that is why there is such a disconnect. Yeah, it is. It is. Definitely. Baldy Barber says, I don't think, and we we'll might top of this again tomorrow, I don't think we'll be closed down anymore but the way people are talking, they're giving ammunition to Neffet and the government to close us down. We need to watch what we are doing. We'll come back to that uh, at some stage tomorrow. Our winners today uh, with the Everyman, with the Aladdin Panto and, of course, the Met giving us dinner. On Thursday, the 9th of December, Selina Zajak. I hope I have that name right. Selina Zajak and John Sweeney are taking their families off on the 9th of December to the Everyman and to the Met for dinner on us. That's it. The programme edited by Fiona Cork and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.